Gentlemen, I'd like everybody to stand up this morning. We're going to go to church this morning. I've got a song for you by that great gospel singer, Hank Williams, Jr. Uh, we're looking at step seven, and when you look at step seven, you're coming to the end of really having done lots of work on yourself, and then after that, you're going to move out into the community and work with those that you have hurt and those that you have an opportunity to have influence and impact on because of your work that you've done up till now. Great song by Hank Williams, Jr., Words are on the back of your notes, and the words of this, I don't know who wrote this. I doubt that Hank Williams did uh, because it's, it's uh, incredible in terms of just the idea of being wrapped up, tangled up in Jesus. Hold it up. fishing one day and I put my hook out in the water and something got a hold to it tried to get loose when I pulled it up it was a big fish on the hook he was twisting and a turning trying to get loose but the hook had him down and he couldn't get loose and I said I wish the Lord would hook me with his one day, I want to say it like a Jeremiah said, Jesus got a hook in me, I don't want to get loose, Jesus got a hook in me, and I don't want to get loose, church this morning, gentlemen. 
Ja. <laughs> Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like <laughs> going through adolescence again this morning. Act like men. Be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, we uh, continue our journey through the 12 steps. A classic model for spiritual growth. Uh, we have come this morning uh, to step seven. Step seven is humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. Uh, Jeff, show me the overview again, if you would. This is kind of where we've been, guys. Um, we spent uh, three weeks on uh, establishing peace with God, our submission and conversion. And then after establishing connection with God, we've been working on ourselves. Step four, five, six, and seven, peace with ourselves. I had a uh, gentleman in my office this week. And he kept saying, I just want peace. I just want peace. I just want peace. And life is full of chaos. Um, and now we come to step seven. Now, I want you to understand um, step seven is the end of the four steps that work on ourselves. And then as you can see, step eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 gets us focused outward. And you are not really ready to focus outward until you've done a lot of work on yourself. Not that any of us are ever completely done with the work on ourselves to where we're qualified and feel confident in giving to others. Uh, if I felt really confident and uh, that I was ready to give to you, I would never show up. I show up anyway. So there's always work to be done. But... There needs to be significant work on yourself in establishing your uh, foundation with God before you start reaching out to others. You know, we've often said that what you need to do with a new Christian, a new believer, is lock him up for about a year, slide bologna sandwiches under the door, and uh, give him water, and make sure he's got his Bible and let him just tear into it for a year before you let him out of the room. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Step seven, humbly, humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. The emphasis on this step is the asking. I you to pick up your pen. Let's go to work. Got three questions for you. <clears throat> First question. What is your definition of humility? What would you say humility is? Quantify that. Write it down. What would you say humility is? Two weeks ago, as I was coming um, out of Fairhope, on my way to Jackson Tuesday morning, 
the way I always go is I go um, on the causeway, not the bayway, cross the causeway, and I go across Bay Bridge. I go north on 65 um, and then take uh, exit 13 across uh, 158, which is up by the University of Mobile. And then uh, 158 comes to a dead end. It's a four-lane interstate-type road. It comes to a dead end, and then you take a, a left onto Schillinger Road. Schillinger Road is, goes about three or four miles, and then you join up back up to 98, and now you're on uh, 98 headed toward through uh, Sims and Wilmer and all that. I take uh, the left uh, onto Schillinger Road, and I get halfway down, and all of a sudden, there's a roadblock, road under construction, dead end. It's just blocked. No sign to let me know that that's going to happen. It's just like, boom. And there's a parking lot over to the right. So there's only one thing to do is go into the parking lot, turn around, and go back. Now, when I'm going back, I've got two choices. I can either go all the way back on 158 down I-65 and get on 98 under the bridge there on Moffett Road and come back that way. But I would have to, you know, retrace all my steps. I'm a man. I'm not going to do that. The other option is there's a little side road there to the left, and I figure as long as I'm going west, I'll be fine, right? So I go the side road. I'm not going to retrace my steps. That's what anybody could do. So I take that left, and I figure as long as I'm going west, uh, I go west, you know, four or five miles, and take a left and go south, I'll hit 98. It didn't work that way. I got so tangled up and wrapped up, not in Jesus, but in uh, country roads, I was on back roads, side roads, and I finally had to do one of the most humiliating things that a man does. I could not get my GPS to work. Uh, it, it would not load the app, Jeff. You're going to have to help me with my phone. So I, I only had one choice. I, I had to stop and ask for help. Oh! Gentlemen, that was a humbling experience. The way I would define humility is ask. I would give you three pieces here you can write down, even as we're working through the questions. Three things that are humbling that we ask for. Forgiveness. When was the last time you had to ask for forgiveness? Now, again, uh, saying I'm sorry and asking for forgiveness, two different things. Quit, quit saying I'm sorry. I, I would just wipe that out of your vo vocabulary. Quit saying I'm sorry. Say, I was wrong. I failed. Please forgive me. That's a whole lot more significant than saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry is like an eraser word. Any time you say I'm sorry, the response ought to be, I know you're sorry, and quit being so sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for help. 
ask for feedback. That's what humility is. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for help. Ask for feedback. Very significant. Second question that I want you to respond to is, what's your definition of surrender? Surrender. I would suggest to you that surrender is releasing control. How hard is that? I'm no longer going to be in control. And that's very hard. And when you start thinking about how much that you're a control freak and you want to control what others think of you, you want to control what others are doing around you, you're, when you start really looking at how much you are a control freak, it makes that surrender piece that much more challenging. But we've got to surrender. And this surrender piece is critical to step seven before we start moving out into eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 and really trying to help somebody else. Because if you're trying to help somebody and you're not in a position of surrender, you know what you're going to try to do? Fix people. You're going to try to control, you're going to try to fix people. At whatever level that I'm reasonably helpful, to people who come into my office, I am helpful to the degree that I'm not trying to fix people. Because that's annoying. Have you ever sat with somebody and you get the idea that they're trying to fix you? It's annoying. And if you have not surrendered your desire and attempt to try to control then when you sit with somebody, your wife, your teenagers, somebody that's coming to you for help, you will give the signal that you want to fix them. And I guarantee whether they can figure that out or not, they will not be responsive to you. They'll be annoyed by you, and rightfully so. Surrender. Third question. What is maturity? to you. What is maturity? Now, you and I, as long as we're breathing, we cannot stop having birthdays. But I know a lot of 70-year-old, 60-year-old, 50-year-old, 40-year-old, 30-year-old babies. Maturity is an art form. And I would give you three suggestions on what maturity looks like. There's lots we could say about this, but the objective, the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 1, 28, he said that with all the energy that God has given me as I preach the basic gospel, Jesus, all the energy that God has given me, I direct toward bringing every man into completeness, wholeness, or maturity. That's Colossians 1, 28 and 29. The the, the Greek word there is telos. So to be complete, to be whole, what did Paul have in mind? I'd suggest three things to you. Self-awareness, to be fully aware of who you are. 
in your giftedness and in your brokenness to be fully aware. Some of us have blind spots and we're just irritants to people around us. Second piece I would say would be empathy. To be mature is to have empathy for other people. Paul said in, in Romans chapter 12, weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh. Be with them. Be with them. Stop trying to fix them. And then the third piece that I would say maturity is in, 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 in a relational way is boundaries, being able to set good boundaries. Many of you suck at boundaries. You don't know how to say no. And then you're miserable, and then you're upset that everybody else is trying to control you. Dude, it's like we said a couple weeks ago, every circumstance that um, you're involved in, you're included. You know, you're the variable that's always there. Everywhere I go, there I is. Okay? There we go. you to um, work with me on our memory verse for today. 1 John 1, 9. You got it memorized? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now say it with me. If we confess our sins, He is just and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9. That if is major in Scripture. I thought when I came to Christ that all my sins were forgiven. That's the gospel, right? And then the beloved disciple John writes in his letter a verse like this. If if, conditionally, if we confess, then we're forgiven. Well, what if I die in a car wreck on my way uh, to confess my sins to the person I've offended and I don't get a chance to confess my sins to them? Well, I go to hell. That's not the intent of that verse. I mean, we can get into all kinds of theological discussions. I mean, how many angels can sit on the head of a pen, you know, things like that. The purpose of this verse is to include us in the growth process, to take responsibility. If I confess, if I acknowledge, if I get involved, um, if I start taking responsibility for my wrongs, then I will reap the fruit of that. God involves us in the process. There's so many things that when I come to Christ that are instantaneously true of me. I'm a child of God. I'm bound for eternity. Nobody can take that away from me. But then it's kind of like somewhere there's a memo that kind of comes across our desk. And the memo says, okay, it's time to roll up your sleeves and go to work. Welcome to kingdom living. And kingdom living means that we start taking responsibility and we get actively involved in the process. And that's what this passage is talking about. We've got to get involved. This step seven looks like this. 
Step seven, as was on our summary, is about repentance. That I was headed east, and now I'm going to head west. I was headed north, and now I'm going to head south. It's a 180-degree change. And step seven invites us in to humility. So we've got to work with what does it mean to really be humble? Nobody likes to be humbled. And I would suggest to you that a huge part of humility is ask. Uh, the four-letter word that most men will not say or will not execute is H-E-L-P. I'll say every four-letter word in the book. Under my breath, out loud, not around my wife, not in church, but I'll say it. But what I have a hard time with is stopping at a convenience store and asking for directions. Help, I'm lost. That was humiliating. Of course, I, I, didn't, I didn't do that real quickly. I, I made sure I drove around for about 20 minutes, lost as a goose. I just didn't jump into that. And the second piece of this is surrender. Surrender. And as I said, surrender means to give up control. We sing the song, I surrender all. Not only do I surrender to Jesus, but I surrender from my attempt to control everything. And when I do that, I'm headed toward maturity, and now I'm reasonably able and ready to start helping other people. But what I've got to do is I've got to be self-aware. I've got to have large degree of empathy. By the way, what's, what's the opposite of empathy? Pride, narcissism. Uh, a narcissist, by definition, has little or no empathy. They can't see anybody's position but themselves. And then this idea, as I said earlier, of boundaries. Embrace humility. I want you to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. It's not in your uh, notes, but we'll read it together here. 1 Peter chapter 5, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. All of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Stop being arrogant. Stop being prideful. Stop being in control. Move toward humility. AA says that um, if there's no humility, then there's no hope of staying sober. Isn't that interesting? 
if there's no humility, then there's no hope of staying sober. Why would you think that would be true? Think about that for a minute. Again, humility means to ask for help every day, every day, every day. As long as I stay humble and I know I need help, I'm good. But when I start getting out of the idea that I I can control it, I've got my addiction under control, I can handle it, I can handle this, then I'm headed toward falling off the wagon again, and I'm going to be right back into that addictive behavior to where I am not working with the, the issues that are deep in my life, but I'm just living on the surface, living out of my addiction, and I'm not surrendered to God. I'm surrendered to that which gives me immediate comfort, cheese, pizzas, alcohol, drugs, rock and roll, whatever. My ego, my instincts, my entitlement, got to go. Character does matter. And what I've got to do is start asking for help. I sit with uh, men and women and couples every week. I'm very honored to sit. Um, And typically when somebody comes into my office, they're in a lot of pain. I've never had anybody come into my office and tell me how good they're doing or ask me how I'm doing. That never happens. And I'm okay with that. But when I sit with somebody and they're in a great deal of pain, um, as I said earlier, it's so important that I'm not trying to fix them. Because I believe two things when somebody um, in pain is sitting in front of me. I believe two things. One, I believe that somewhere deep down inside of them, they know what the problem is. They know what the, they don't need me to tell them what the problem is. Sometimes I can fine tune it and, and kind of help them to see it clearer, but they see it. And then the second thing that I believe is that they actually know what to do on some level. They, they really do know. It's just that they need to be validated in that which they need to do, and they need a traveling companion to travel with them because we all need help. We all need relational healing. And even when you know what to do, if you don't have somebody to walk with you through that, you're not going to be able to execute it. Crazy stuff in your head will tell you, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing it wrong anyway. I'm, I'm really not even on the right road. I'm headed down the wrong road. But we all need somebody to put their arm around us. As a mentor said to me years ago, it said, Phil, no matter how much you do the right thing, you're always going to need somebody to tell you that you're doing the right thing. Character matters, guys. Character matters, and humility is part of that. I mean, there is nothing worse than an arrogant, manipulative, self-righteous addict. (laughs) It's annoying. It's annoying. 
Well, guess what, guys? As David Benner says, we're all addicts. We're all addicts on some level. But it's like to drop to our knees every day and say, God, I need help. I can't do this today. I really need help. I'm asking for help. I want to offer you another song this morning. Um, I was going to play this one first, but uh, after I uh, stumbled on to wrapped up and tangled up, I just couldn't pass on that. But sometimes we need a miracle. Sometimes we need something way beyond ourselves. And I would say in actuality, that's every day, isn't it? Every day we need a miracle, a miracle that we don't do something stupid, that the crazy thoughts that go through our head doesn't take us in a, in, a, uh, in a crazy way, that we don't say the thing that we think in our head when we're sitting there with our wives and she's telling us that we're not loving her. Don't say that. You can think that, but you better not say that. I need a miracle. Watch this video and this song. May it awaken your heart to the humility that we all need. Well, one night she started to cry and thought he ain't coming home. She was tired of the lies, tired of the fight, but she didn't want to see him go. She fell on her knees and said, I haven't prayed since I was young. But Lord above, I need a miracle.
You turn on the radio to hear a song for the last time. Didn't know what he was looking for or even what he'd find. And the song he heard, it gave him hope and strength to carry on. And on that night, they found a miracle. power of humbly asking so hard it's so freeing to ask for forgiveness to ask for help ask for feedback what's it like to be married to me what's it like to work for me what's it like to have me as a friend humbly ask um Joe mentioned last Thursday night, uh, 17 of us got on a bus and we went up to South Haven to be with Tim Atkinson. And, um, you know, as I was telling somebody this morning, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that is hard to be a part of, but man, you're just honored to be included. It's not anything that any of us would have drawn up on the blackboard that that's what we wanted to do any more than Tim would draw up on the blackboard that he would have pancreatic cancer. He didn't ask for that. But what Tim asked is that we would come up and be with him. And um, it was one of the most special evenings that I've ever had. We gathered around the uh, patio, and they had a, a food truck up there. and uh, Guys were cooking catfish and hush puppies and french fries out of the food truck. And... Uh, we gathered, enjoyed ourselves, and, and then um, we uh, sat down, and as we often do at deer camp, those of you that have been to our uh, men's coaching weekend, um, we uh, allow guys to tell their story. And so I kind of looked at Tim and said, okay, Tim, you're the man. No time limit, no 20 minutes, no 10 minutes. You talk until you want to stop talking and I think Tim talked for 30 or 40 minutes, and he walked us through um, his life. He was divorced. In the midst of his divorce and just a broken time in his life, God brought him to us. He came to deer camp. God got a hold of his heart. He grew. I think Jack and Tim were at the first deer camp together, right, Jack? And um Tim made a lot of changes in his life. He went back to school uh, to get his teaching certificate and became a junior high, high or high school uh, teacher at Brandon uh, Schools. Made a lot of changes. Got on Match.com and met a gal. 
She was a recent widow. Her uh, husband had died of a heart attack uh, just a, sh a few, less than a year when she got on Match.com. She was lonely. She was looking for a Christian man. He was a widow. Uh, she and Tim, Denise and Tim, uh, got together. They got married about six months uh, after they met. They were excited. Uh, it was a marriage made in heaven. And then in July, uh, Tim was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. You know, I pulled Denise aside and I said, sweetheart, you know, how, how are you doing? And, and, and she said to me, she said, you know, I want Tim to live a long life. I want him to heal. She said, if that's not what God has in store, I wouldn't change anything. I'm honored to be married to this man. I wonder if Carla would say that. I was envious. I told the guys on the bus, I said, uh, you know, uh, James chapter 5 says that uh, when a man is sick, to call the elders of the church uh, and have them anoint you with oil and have them pray over you and God will heal you. And I told the guys on the bus, I said, we're going to anoint Tim with oil. But we're not going to do it the traditional way to where, you know, we would pour oil on his head and we'd all gather around and lay hands on him. We're going to do it individually. And every guy lined up, and I poured a little bit of uh, olive oil in their hand, and every guy, one-to-one, -on -one, went up and laid their hands on Tim and, and had their own personal prayer. It was powerful. Uh, an eight-minute part of that video is on Tim Atkinson's Facebook page. You, you can watch it. So powerful. We're asking God to heal Tim. I don't know if that'll happen, but we're asking. Tim is as humble as a man can be. He is facing death through the crosshairs. That's what he's looking at. Guys, what's it going to take for you, for me, to get as humble and as godly as Tim Atkinson? I've known Tim for a long time. He's as broken as a left-handed soup sandwich. You know, he's just, he's annoying sometimes. Uh, but I'm telling you, I've never sat with a more godly man than I sat with Thursday night. What's it going to take for you to surrender? What's it going to take for me? Cancer? To lose everything? It was a holy moment, sacred moment, very powerful. Guys, this whole idea of working step seven, once again, is, is about surrender. The prayer of step seven is this, quote, My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single cancerous part of my character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go from here to do your bidding. Because again, if you're going to move out into the community and be of any service to anybody, you've got to surrender. I've got so far to go, 
and so many jagged edges in my own heart. But I assure you that whatever level that I'm able to help somebody else, it is because God has humbled me and I've worked on my surrender and I'm still working step seven every day. There was a time in my life that I believe very clearly that God has broken me and taken things away from me that I wanted because my fingernails were so dug into it and I was so prideful and arrogant about it that he couldn't trust me with more. And I believe I'm in a season of life right now that he's trusting, entrusting more to me because of working step seven. Again, that could change at any moment. You know, always be careful of a man who says, well, you know, one of my best gifts is humility. (laughs) That ain't too good. But truly, guys, have you worked step seven? Have you surrendered? Have you let go? See, part, part of step seven is a size issue. So let's say that who the, real per, who the real you is, is like that. That's the real you. That's who God intended you to be. But this is the guy that your wife keeps seeing come in the door. And that's just annoying when you can't hardly get through the doorway. And then some of us are down on ourselves And we don't feel good about ourselves, and we walk around like that. But step seven is inviting us to just simply see ourselves as we are. Not grandiose, not prideful like this guy, and not woe is me, please rescue me. Uh, the little boy uh, who is 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, and asking everybody else to take care of him. It's a size issue. It's a size issue. What size are you? Let go of your failures, your actions, and your feelings that torment you. Release control. And one of the ways that we know that we've surrendered, I believe, is that we can start to feel compassion for hurting people rather than be annoyed by them or feel like we have to fix them. I love sitting with people in pain. Not that I'm a masochist or a sadist or any of that sort of thing, but I love it because... I truly believe that God can heal that person without my help, but he's just allowing me to be involved in the process. Cobb was was just talking to me about one of those guys that we talked to at deer camp Saturday night. Powerful intervention of where we surrounded him, and he's in a world of hurt. He drove 14 hours from out of state to be with us. 14 hours to be with a bunch of guys in Mississippi in the woods that he had never met. He didn't know anybody. I didn't know if to hug him or say, dude, are you just completely crazy? It's powerful. But guys, what God is moving us toward is toward maturity. 
in maturity, I'd give you three last pieces on this. And we'll close. Number one, in terms of being mature, is I will accept the good and the bad of me. I'm willing to acknowledge that. I'm really working in that self-awareness that I talked about to acknowledge the good and the bad. Every man in here is gifted. Every man in here is broken. Can you acknowledge that? Then secondly, to develop my gifts and to release my shortcomings. You have a stewardship to be better at what you're good at and to continue to acknowledge your failures rather than deny them. Awareness. I have this skill. Go develop it. Go start a business. Go take some risk. And then continue to acknowledge to your wife and to your friends that, that you screw up. It's okay. And quit defending that. Then thirdly and finally, every morning when you get up, Acknowledge that you have choices and you have freedom. I have choices and I have freedom. I have a choice. Well, if I make good choices, the Bible promised me blessing. If I make bad choices, there will be consequences to that. And I have the freedom in the power of Christ. As Romans chapter 6 says, Romans 6, I have the freedom to choose. Not to choose evil, not to choose self righteous, arrogant behavior, but I have the freedom to love, and that's the measure of whether or not you're really mature. Guys, the last part, again, of this step seven is the idea of asking. Ask, ask, ask. Don't take for granted what you've got. Ask. For it every day. Every day, give me my daily manna, God. And then be ready to help others. Pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you for every man in here. Father, help us to understand what humility is, what surrender is, and what wholeness looks like. May we be that in a way that brings honor to your name and healing to ourselves and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.